Bill Show wish to thank our primary sponsors, The Mallon Agency, located in Springfield, PA, where they take pride in exceeding expectations every time. Anthony DeCecco and our friends at Tennis Addiction are ready to serve all your tennis needs at their beautiful facility in Exton, PA. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show. From the lyrics in his song to the joy he brings performing for our troops, to spreading his love and appreciation for the outdoors on his popular TV show, Hogue Wild. Our guest tonight truly understands the importance of connecting with others. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, singer, songwriter, and outdoorsman extraordinaire, Lucas Hogue. Hi, Lucas. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's going to be fun. It sure is, Lucas. And I'll tell you, we, we really appreciate this because we know you're busy. And anyone who's looked at your website or scrolled through any of your social media recently knows you've got a lot going on. We're going to try to cover as many of those bases as we can. And um, I have to tell you, though, one, one thing I, I wanted to start with was um, something you've said in the past, Lucas, about your music and, and your albums and how you like your albums to take your fans on a journey. Yeah. And that really resonated with us because we like our show in each episode to take our viewers on a journey. So absolutely. that said, let's start and kick things off with your journey, your musical journey, let's say. When did music become a part of your life? Where did it all begin for you? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And it, it started way back as a kid. I mean, honestly, I was probably five, six years old, I can remember my first like musical memories because I mean, my family was a family of six, mom and dad, two older sisters and an older brother. And we'd go up to this little country church in our little town of 44 people. And uh, basically we were the half of the congregation was just our family alone. So there was the organist, the preacher, and then the choir, which was mostly my family and like a few others. And that's when I started just loving music you know i really got into it when mom and dad would go practice like the worship music um at the next town over at the parsonage house um they would the preacher would literally sit me in the corner with like an electronic drum pad and just like here go play have fun and i started like keeping perfect beat with them like and everything she literally took me from one of those little practices that they were doing and took me into the school at probably six years old and said you really need to you know do something with this kid's talent because he's got natural rhythm, you know, and, and it kind of started from there. I started playing drums at a really young age and then, you know, started picking up guitar, playing piano, everything I could get my hands on. I just wanted to learn how to play, you know, wanted to learn everything that I could. And uh, drums were kind of a pain to, to haul around, you know, as I started getting older and I was like, Oh, the girls like guitar. So <laughs> started learning how to play guitar. And then, you know, quickly, realized that, you know, I liked singing as well and just started doing everything that I could to get just deeper and deeper in the music, music world. I mean, and kind of the rest is history because I just literally went and got a quick degree at uh, a tech school in Milford, Nebraska, and um, moved right to Nashville after that and started building houses to pay for my music habit until it took off. 
Wow. You're one of those utility guys that could, could record a song playing every instrument and singing, right? Well, I always say that I can play a lot of instruments, but I'm not a I'm not professional in any of them except for guitar. <laughs> when you see actual recording, you know, instrumentalists go in and then and then they record your stuff, you're just like, oh yeah, no, I'm not I'm not, I'm not even going to try. I could get my way through, you know, a keyboard, you know, thing, and I could play drums. I can play drums. I'm not a drummer by any means. <laughs> I always say there's there's bass players and there's people who play bass. You know. <laughs> That's true. That is a, a good distinction. But yeah. a through line that we have noticed on the show for the men musicians is that the uh, allure of the women fans when they picked up an instrument or started singing definitely was a factor in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come on, you're high school and, you're, you know, things are going. People are getting trying to figure out themselves, you know, it's like, of course, you need all the help you can get. <laughs> yeah, there's something about like the front guy that girls go nuts yeah. for. Let's pivot now to your love for the outdoors. When did sure. that start? Again, uh, as a young, young kid, I remember going with my my dad and, and uh, my uncles, I would just walk with them out in the field to go hunt pheasants and quail because I wasn't old enough to carry a gun. Dad would let me carry my BB gun, you know, to feel like I was out hunting and and I remember taking the hunter safety course before I was even old enough to take the course. I took it two or three times just because I wanted to go and learn everything that I could about hunting. And it was our teachers at the time in, in high school were the ones teaching the hunter safety class. And they would always be like, yeah, come on in. And we don't care. It doesn't matter because you're not going to get that license at the end. But I scored, you know, perfectly every time on the test, which was was just fun. And so it made it really, really great to kind of help bring other friends in and, and get them into the outdoors as well as, as kids, because I still do that today. You know, I try and take people on their first hunts, um, teach them how, you know, that what, why don't I understand this hunting thing? You know, why do you love it so much? I'm like, well, come with me one time. I'd love to show you about it, you know, or tell you about it. Lucas, real quick. Yeah. Would you say that there's a reverence for the animals that you hunt? hundred percent. Absolutely. You, First of all, my dad taught me how to respect the firearm that we're carrying around. I mean, whether it's unloaded, it's always loaded. You know, you always respect that firearm like it's, you know, king. And because it can do so much damage if you do the wrong thing with it, as we all know. And the second thing was to respect the animal that you're hunting and you're harvesting, because that's primarily what's going to feed your family. And God put these animals on the planet for us to harvest and to nourish our bodies in the most natural way that there ever has been. And so to me, to take the life of an animal is a very, very responsible thing to do. And there is definitely a reverence about each and every animal that I harvest, whether it's a going frog in, in, in the swamps of Louisiana to hunting red stag in the mountains of New Zealand. It doesn't matter how big or small that animal is, you're still taking that life to feed your family. Yeah, that is, that is a great point of view and, and definitely one that, that I personally respect a lot, Lucas. And I'll tell you, I I did have something else I wanted to go into, but I have to pivot back for a second because it, it just hit me again that you said your town had 44 people in it <laughs> yeah. in, in Nebraska. And oh, yeah. I, I don't know much about Nebraska. I've been to Wyoming a couple times and I know people there told me that the snow bypasses there and hits Nebraska. 
a lot of times. Um, I know there's a heavy Scandinavian population in Nebraska because I'm Scandinavian. Yeah. But what did growing up in a town like that and in that area in the country, how did that help shape the person that you've ultimately become? Gosh, I mean, it was the best. I would go back there tomorrow if I could and plant roots again. I mean, I love it. I love the people there. Love it. the way I grew up. It was amazing because, I mean, we could literally take our bicycles and start riding down the dirt roads. And we, we, we did. We'd go seven, 13 miles just to go to our friend's house just to play. And then we do, you know, drive, ride home time for dinner. You know, it's just how it was. And mom and dad never worried about, you know, somebody doing something bad or us getting hurt or anything like that. Because, I mean, that's just a great way of life. Now I don't, you know, I don't know if it's the same. I haven't been back there in a long time. Mom and dad still live there, but I don't get to spend enough time, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, we, as kids would literally, as soon as we became of age, would take our guns out and we'd leave early in the morning and not come back until dinner time and go hunting and, you know, shooting down in the creeks, going for squirrels and rabbits, and you name it. It was just a way of life for us. And, I wouldn't trade yeah, it. So you world. weren't glued to a, a a video game or something like that, like like so many other people are. <laughs> oh, I remember getting Nintendo for the first time, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Everybody had like Sega Genesis's back then. <laughs> you know, and we're just now getting like Nintendo One. I'm like, "This is so cool." <laughs> well, do you feel sorry away. for the kids nowadays? You know, I really do so much. I mean, God bless them. I love my my nieces and nephews, but sometimes when you go back for a family gathering, everybody's just sitting there doing this nobody's talking you know even at airports i mean if you ever sit back and just look nobody's looking at anybody nobody's talking to anybody and i think that's where a lot of this i hate to come back to it this hatred and frustration that people see there's no there's no genuine connection with humanity anymore it's all in front of, it's all on the screen yeah you make a great point and i think even in you know, the way we communicate sometimes, you know, text and email versus a phone call or yeah. you know, we would love to be doing this face to face. But at least on Zoom, we at least get to see, you know, there's still somewhat of that yeah. physical connection as opposed to just, you know, texting. And, and that's something Absolutely. like, you know, Rosie said in the intro, you clearly get it and you demonstrate that connection. And and I think you, Thank you. I don't I don't I can't even think of anyone else who I've seen who can connect in so many different ways that you can. And one of those ways actually was my next question for you, which is we've talked about music. We've talked about the outdoors, the way you connect and combine them in, in all you do so seamlessly. How, how are you able to do that? Whether it's through your videos, your songs, your out, like it, they just are married together in a way I've never seen. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I greatly appreciate that comment. Um, well, again, it, it all stems back to the fact that music in the outdoors for me was a way of life from the beginning. It started out that way. It was all, you know, all about music in the outdoors for me. And even when I finally moved to Nashville and started touring a lot more and I would be doing these, you know, fun shows, big shows, small shows, whatever, <clears throat> there would always be somebody to come up to me and be like, Hey, I hear you're, you know, you love to hunt or you love to fish. You love the outdoors. And they'd always invite me on something. And I literally, every single time, the first time somebody invited me, I was like, do not invite me unless you honestly want me to come because I will show up every single time. <laughs> and I did. And I started showing up to all these places. And these were extravagant hunts and hunts that I would never imagine myself getting to do coming from a small town in 
you know, rural Nebraska, you know, going on elk hunts and going to New Zealand to hunt stag and going fishing in Alaska. And I mean, all these places, never in a million years would I have thought, I'm going to go to get to do all these and it's not going to cost me anything. <laughs> wow. Know? Except for a lot of time and hard work, you know, right. and, and that, and that it did. So to me, it just was always natural to, to meld the two together because anytime we'd get done, you know, wherever we were at during the day, we'd sit around a fire and I'd break out the guitar and play. And that was kind of, I always say my guitar has been my passport to everywhere in the world that I've ever gone. That's great. Yeah. Well, you've gotten to have a lot of amazing experiences on your television show, Hogwild. Let's talk about that for a, a minute. Sure. How did that all come about, Lucas? Again, it started back doing the touring and stuff and people inviting me to come on these extravagant trips and, hey, the jet will come pick you up or meet me here and we'll pick you up in a, a truck and we'll take you up in the mountains. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> if Are I'm you late, ever afraid? Wait, never. Never once was I afraid. I was like, I don't know these people, but we all are like-minded, it felt like. So, you know, you always have that connection right off. You can pretty much tell if if somebody's full of it or they genuinely want you to, to come and be there. They're not just trying to pump up the room so that you'll talk to them, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's usually everybody that's like, hey, we really want you to come. And it's paid off in dividends every time. Not only do you get amazing friends out of it, but the experience alone has just taken me so far, you know, it really has. Yeah. It sounds like it was a natural evolution. Was there ever an adventure that you had that was kind of scary or you feared that you could get hurt? Um, well, I go gator hunting with my friend, Bill Petrus and David Hansen every season. And now I feel like I'm a natural at it because those guys are such good teachers and such they're great stewards of the land down there they just have been doing it since they were kids so they make it really really fun and natural but i guess if there was one uh situation or multiple situations it'd be when i go overseas to play for the troops um some of those times were pretty hairy with bombs coming over the wall and people shooting at helicopters and things like that and just a lot of that stuff can get pretty dicey when we were over there Wow, and that that to me, Lucas, makes it even more impressive and, and and more amazing. And I just have so much more respect for you doing that. And and you know, people like yourself, you don't just do it once or twice. You're doing it a lot, and you're literally yeah. doing it in harm's way. And because I think when when Rosie asked that question, I don't think either one of us thought that's where it was going to go. Well, yeah, well. A lot of people, I've, I've got that question a few times, and it's usually not when we're hunting anywhere. It's, it, my brain always goes back to, there's two or three incidences that happened when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and I'd been on 10, 12 tours, you know, over there every year, going over for about two weeks, a little over two weeks, every single year during Memorial Day. So we'd start out the week before when we have a big Memorial Day celebration or wherever base we were at, and then we'd stay the week after. <clears throat> and there was a few times where, you know, we're flying into some some bases that technically don't exist. And we're the only civilians that have been there since conception of these places. And sometimes they're still eating MREs and they get one hot meal a day on Sunday. And uh, they shared their hot meal with us, which was pretty heartwarming to think that we're eating somebody's meal. You know, I didn't really want to because I'm like, no, we're here to just say thank you and and we're going to fly out of here, please. They're like, no, you have to eat a meal with us. And they always want to put food in your belly, you know, <laughs> right. when you're over there. 
And uh, as you're talking about this, I'm I'm just like Bill said, I'm I'm so impressed and so amazed. And oh, thank you. I'm wondering too, quite often when people serve in this way, do you feel that you are getting more from it than giving? Oh, hundred percent. I feel honored that I kept it getting to asked to go over there because a lot of times people are one and done or maybe they'll get to do it a couple of times, but I was fortunate enough to get to go from 2009 to 2019. And I did two back-to-back trips over in 2009 and it was incredible. I mean, I just, I just felt like it was something that I had to do. I wasn't wired to go into the military. My dad was in the military. My cousins were in the military. My uncles were MPs in the military. Some were snipers. And I knew that I wanted to give back somehow in some way. And this was the only way that I knew how I could give back in any, my minuscule thing that I could do is to go over there and take them out of their element and just tell them, thank you. And bring a little bit of home, you know, to them while they're over there. And, uh, yeah, it's it's humbling, rewarding all at the same time. And it's just a big thank you match. You know, they're thanking us for coming over and we're thanking them for all that they do for us. And yeah. it's it's pretty incredible. It really is. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. And what's amazing about it, Lucas, is and, and I know you get this, you know, we don't get to do what we do if they're not doing what they do. And, and the fact that you're, you know, not just talking to talk, but walking the walk and going over there and doing that again, kudos to you for doing that. And we know it's not minuscule to them. It's going to be huge to them. Um, and I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about something that's maybe a little safer and a little more peaceful, say that they're okay. going over there uh, overseas and that's your Sunday sessions. Yeah. And could you just explain to our viewers kind of how they came about, like where it sure. came from? Because I, I will tell you, I, I've seen many of them, uh, and I know you've reposted some of them over the years mm -hmm. on your social media. Yeah. And your version of Open the Eyes of My Heart, the Michael W. Smith song is... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Oh. Everybody's got to go check that one out. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of the start how did it all come about well i mean when i was in in college it was tech school i went for a, a associate's degree in architecture business and construction management and uh i got tied into uh the church on the unl campus and so they needed a drummer and i was like yeah i'll, I'll come in and drum i'll play drums for you <laughs> That's when I quickly realized that I wasn't a drummer. I just knew how to play drums. <laughs> <laughs> and then I quickly uh, kind of started flowing into the leadership role and being one of the worship leaders there. And um, I, I just fell in love with it, you know, getting to bring people to the Lord every, you know, Thursday and Wednesday night was really, really cool. And doing it in song was really special. So it started really evolving there. 
And flash forward to me finally, you know, leaving Nebraska and coming to Nashville and really didn't have a church to go to much. And I'm trying to find a church and all that stuff. And, and me and my buddies started touring a lot. And a lot of the guys that I would hire used to be previous worship leaders. My guitar player was my drummer and the keyboard player at the time were both ex worship leaders. And I just started propping up where we were in, if we were in a van, we were propped up and I would do a, a little hymn every Sunday and post it. If we were in the bus, do the same thing. If we were sitting at a park bench, wherever. And then I finally started bringing my guitar player in and some of my other bandmates and they were fell in love with it too. And never thought it was going to take off. It was just something we wanted to do because we weren't home on Sundays. You know, it was the only thing that we could do to have a little bit of church on the road. And uh, so I just started doing them and doing them consistently for years. And then they started taking off like crazy. And then COVID hit and nobody was going to church, right? Mm -hmm. So I started doing like 30 minutes worth of hymns every Sunday and going live to where we could interact with everybody and talk to them and you know, if they wanted to hear something, I'd try and play it for them, even though I was scrolling through like, yeah, let me figure it out real quick <laughs> <You know? laughs> and fell in love with it. And they, we were number nine in the world for live streaming with those Sunday sessions. Number nine in the world. It was the coolest thing, you know, after all that was going on, when we got the word that we were number nine and the Opry was like number one, right, for, <laughs> for live streaming during that time. And I'm doing, I'm coming in to play the Opry one, one night and I walk in the back doors and they have the back doors of the Opry with the wrap on it. And it has the live streaming chart on it. And it said Opry. And then it said my name right there. I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun, you know, to know that those things took off like that it was pretty special. Well, you guys sound so amazing. I'm not surprised that it took off. Thank you very much. It's fun, you know, it's a labor of love. We love doing it. Definitely. Yeah, and speaking of music, uh, Lucas, what can your fans look forward to musically in now that we're in 2024? Man, I'm glad you asked that. We literally just had meetings about all the new music that's coming out. We're in the studio right now recording, um, probably going to be hopefully my favorite record of all time because it's kind of taken me back to the roots of how I grew up in rural community you know like in the farmlands and growing up like that with all my farming buddies and and a lot of these songs have those roots intertwined in them i mean one of the songs is called farm hand and i've really got a high hopes for that song i've got another song called be a man where it's how my dad and uncles taught me how to be a man you know everything that goes along with that from how to treat a woman to how to respect your the people around you and all those mm -hmm. things and just songs that are super meaningful to me. And I hope they mean something to somebody that, that hears them along the way. Well, I'll, I'll say this, Lucas. I mean, just if it's, you know, the past is any indication, you can tell someone to get lost and it's fun. You can tell someone to go nowhere and it's fun. So exactly. I can't wait to see what's coming next. <laughs> I love it. See, you're getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. <laughs> yeah. So well, good. we're excited to see what you've got coming out in 2024, Lucas. And, and we, Really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story and your music and your love for people and positivity and the outdoors. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you guys. And thank you for doing what you do and being that positive inspiration for people out there and the light, just being a light for people. That's really cool. I appreciate oh. you. Anytime you guys want me to come on, I'm happy to be here. 
definitely we'll we'll keep in touch and when you want to promote something you just let us know and you're come right back and folks thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week stars shine bright looking up in them downtown lights ain't gonna feel the wind and you're here till you hit that back road ride i know i feel it but we can get back in the bed of a chevy and sip that sunset like tequila in a heartbeat you and me we can be beating the night like a mona lisa a little spot a little off the map a little gas it'll get there fast Right past that welcome sign with the country songs lit Find us that nice and slow Way down some older road Gonna sound good to get a little get gone fixed If you wanna go out nowhere, nowhere is Ain't gonna be no red lights here yeah, We're rolling on green to go No closing time, no last call, nah, we ain't gotta go home, we can go all night, all night, all night long. I know where nowhere is, way out where love grows thick, right past that welcome sign where the country songs lit. Find us that nice and slow, way down some older road, gonna sound good to get a little get gone fixed if you wanna go out. Just like that, nobody gonna know where we at now. I know where nowhere is, way out where love grows thick. Right past that welcome sign where the country songs live. Find us that nice and slow way down some older road. Gonna sound good to get a little get gone fixed. If you wanna go out, nowhere, nowhere is. Somewhere off the left, somewhere off This week's episode has been brought to you by Doherty & Company Insurance Services for all your business and personal insurance needs. Our friends at Tennis Addiction in Exton, PA. And the Malin Agency, where exceeding expectations is how they do business.